Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. And if you're listening to this, then you have been given security clearance by an extraordinarily strict algorithm created by the combined secret services of a number of countries, which I am not at liberty to divulge. I am recording this in a bunker, an actual military bunker somewhere in the Hertfordshire countryside. Again, I can't tell you where. If I did, I would be arrested immediately and the podcast would end. That would be unfortunate because we will be revealing some surprising new military weapons and means of intelligence which are set to revolutionise modern warfare, both on the battlefield and in cyberspace, where many conflicts are now being fought. Um, I'm waiting to talk to General Newt Pershing Patton, who I assume is a five-star American officer seconded to the British Army. Oh! Hello? Morning, fella. Patton here. Oh, hello. Um, have you have you been de- delayed? Uh, is there an international crisis brewing? Uh, no, old thing. I, I'm talking to you from my bunker. Oh, but, but I'm in the bunker. Not my bunker. What? You're in a different bunker? Far deeper bunker. I'm brass, you're a civilian. You get one kind of bunker, I get another. In mine, we run ops. In yours, we, um, uh, we do cocktail parties. Oh, OK. Uh, so if there's an attack, uh, my bunker isn't as secure as yours, I suppose. Well, if we're attacked, you're a goner, old thing. Uh, don't worry, we're, we're not about to be attacked, at least not for the next half hour or so. Uh, that's reassuring. So, uh, so we'll need to do the interview over the line, then? Oh, it's secure. Don't worry. Here is the syrups. Deep state. Uh, General Patton? Gen- General Patton, are you, are you still there? Still here, old thing. Press the wrong button. They all look the same, don't they? What? I thought it was the red button. Not the red button. What's the red button for? Oh, are you sure? Oh, I never liked Milton Keynes anyway. Uh, all sets, just a little hiccup. Nothing to worry about. Um, my brother lives in Milton Keynes. Did he? Ah, well, let, let's get on with the interview. I've got the United Nations Security Council coming over for bridge later. OK, right. Well, now, the first thing that surprises me is that with a name like Newt Pershing Patton, you're not an American. If you're referring to the General George Patton of Second World War notoriety, I'm uh, indirectly related. Oh, uh, would you like to go into any more detail? Uh, No. Fair enough. Well, you can't blame me for asking. I think I can, and I might. Okay. now, as well as being active in the British Armed Forces, you are the head of our Peace Studies Department. That is correct. Now, our take on peace studies is a little different to those lefty universities where they actually talk about uh, peace. Oh. We used to be the War Studies Department, traditional name for our subject, but for the sake of funding, we changed the name. What's wrong with peace studies? Well, nothing, so long as you define it as working out how to annihilate the enemy in horrible ways so they don't dare to attack you, thereby keeping the peace. And that's the kind of peace that we study. Okay. Anyway, quite a few universities have connections to the military, and a lot of the better schools have a cadet force to breed the next generation of officer. They just keep a low profile in these um, 
enlightened times. And they stress the humanitarian side of things in recruitment adverts. Not so much emphasis on square bashing and bayonet drill. More uh, touchy-feely stuff. Well, I'm not surprised. So what have I been ordered over here to talk about? Ordered? No, 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 dear boy. We, uh, we requested your presence. We're here to talk about the uh, next stage in the development of warfare. You mean cyber warfare, right? Hacking the enemy's computers and communications to misguide their population and, if missiles are launched, their guidance system, so they fly back at the people who launched them. So missiles and so on will still be used? Partly. But if, for example, you knock out the computers of the enemy's healthcare system, you get a lot more uh, bang for your buck, so to speak. The computers will fight wars, then? Exactly. We have some of the finest brains in the land working on it. The enemy does too, of course. It's a virtual game of chess. Well, the, the Russians are very good at chess, aren't they? Supposedly, but the Russians are not much of an enemy anymore. They've spent force. Their economy is about the size of Italy's. It's the Chinese now. And as they make most of the world's computers, they've got a bit of a staff on us. Well, how do you plan to stop them? Uh, make our own computers? No, no. We're working on a completely different concept. Operation Cobweb. Wow, well, that sounds very high-tech. A bit like a James Bond villain's operation. No, no, it's the exact opposite. I ran a little trial. I got some of our chaps to form a spy cell in China near the North Korean border. They were given up-to-the-minute surveillance equipment and a fake assignment to keep an eye on a base over there. It soon became obvious that the Chinese had detected it and were keeping an eye on them. How did it become so obvious? Well, that's classified. But then this whole interview will become classified. OK. We knew that the Chinese were onto them because our people were feeding them false information which they were reacting to. However, at the same time, they were sending us accurate information undetected by the Chinese. Well, how on earth did they do that? I mean, have you discovered a new bandwidth or something? I I'm afraid I I'm not very technical. We use post. Post? You mean the post? What the Americans call the mail. Um, I don't get it. Post. What you probably call snail mail. They put the information in letters and sent them to us here by post. Well, seriously? I mean, surely they were intercepted. No. The Chinese are so obsessed with the high-tech stuff that they find letters quaint, completely boring. They can't be bothered with them. I don't think some of the younger ones, and their average age seems to be about 13, even though the post exists. Even if they had intercepted them, they would have found nothing because we use invisible ink. Lemon juice. You can read it when you heat it up. Well, how on earth did you think of that? I read it in an old Eagle comic from the 1950s. OK. I was talking to a psychiatrist friend of mine, and she said that the military mind nowadays is fascinated by tech. The shinier the knobs and the switches, the better. So your use of analogue means of communication is meant to... Um, uh... Outmanoeuvre them, yes, to outflank them, which is a bit like a cavalry manoeuvre. We use old methods that they have completely forgotten about, or they so blinkered by tech that they couldn't believe we would use. 
But this is just for spying, right? I mean, you couldn't do this on an actual battlefield. Why not? In the First World War, the most efficient communication system was the carrier pigeon. Very hard to jam a carrier pigeon, even if you were looking for one, which they won't be. But they don't race them, as far as I know. But we do. So you plan to use pigeons? More than plan, we already do. They breed them up in hull. They call the breeders uh, pigeon fanciers. So we've commandeered a few of these fanciers. They're all for it. It's just a question of looking at things from a uh, what are you? lateral thinking viewpoint and learning from history, which, of course, it is extremely unfashionable to do. Is there another example? Uh, one of my favourites is the medieval armoured knight. I thought we were talking about tech, General. We are talking about mindsets, attitudes. Don't forget, nobody ever learns from history. The armoured knight, a wonderful, expensively equipped fighting machine. A full suit of armour would probably cost the equivalent of a tank in modern times. Really? Believe it, sir. Believe it. The suit of armour was a real status symbol, a bit like a tiger tank. Then you have to mount your knight on a horse, more expense. And, of course, to be a knight, you would need to be an aristocrat, the elite. The equivalent of a techie now, if you like, or, I don't know, maybe a guided missile. Are you sure that this is a good analogy? It's roughly the same. It's good for this. Bear with me. So, let's look at the battles of Crecy, Poitiers and Agincourt, Henry V and so on. All this expensive equipment, the French armoured knights, was thrashed by the English longbow. Three times. The longbow. A piece of wood with a string. That was essentially it. Cheap, simple. The knights in armour were defeated by arrows, then? Certainly. It was called an arrow storm. It was the medieval equivalent of a machine gun. Um, I find that hard to believe, actually. But even worse, the bows were fired by peasants. The French simply could not get their heads round that. So they were defeated three times in exactly the same way. They could not believe that tech, their knights in armour, their equivalent of shiny knobs and switches or digital screens or whatever you want to call it, could be defeated by a piece of wood. Even worse, a free piece of wood. Part of the glamour of tech is that it costs ridiculous amounts of money, of course. OK, well, I think I see where you're coming from, but going back to what you said earlier, how about the computers that drive the NHS, for instance? I mean, they could be jammed. I mean, you, you couldn't laterally think that, could you? I'll give you another little analogy. Before I joined the military, I worked for a construction company. Simple stuff. I was a hired hand. On a Friday, which was payday, I would be given a chip by the foreman who signed it, and I would go to a little office with a clerk in it. I would hand in the signed chit. He would give me my week's money in cash in a brown envelope. Well, hard to believe now, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, though I don't see the point. Now that I'm paid by a large organisation, I have to log into my expensive computer, enter no less than five different passwords and codes, enter my hours, submit my hours, get my hours approved, or not, by my superiors, and have my money paid into my bank account, the details of which I also took several hours entering into the system. Um, so? Every one of those passwords and codes can be disrupted by enemy malware. Everything works that way now, General. Exactly my point. More holes in it than a sieve. Easy to attack. But the old system was very unreliable. Why? Well, it was insecure. I mean, 
You could have been robbed, let's say, when you had your pay packet in your pocket. Could have been. In reality, never was. But the amount of hacking and identity theft that occurs in computerized systems nowadays literally costs millions in stolen funds. Millions. This is well known. But nobody cares. Well, they do. They have a lot of people working on that. Thank you for proving my point. But sadly, however hard they work, they're always behind the criminals. OK, the old system was labour-intensive. That little guy in the office. Very <laughs> labour-intensive. Please don't make me laugh. Like you just said, there are literally thousands of techies supporting the computer systems. It's obviously in their interest to make everything as complicated and technical as possible. It's like a sort of disease that feeds on itself. Well, frankly, that's a strange way of looking at things, General. Strangely... Accurate. The real reason behind all this is that everyone is terrified of not looking up to date, even if they're cutting their own throats. It's the herd instinct. I still don't see what this has to do with defence. You don't? Like we said earlier, the new warfare is cyber warfare. Attack the computers. But they would not attack my old payslip department, would they? They would attack the NHS or the water companies and flood London, something like that. But you're not suggesting abandoning the entire computerised infrastructure, are you? I mean, that's what runs the country. No, it's gone far too far for that. What I suggest is to keep an analogue system for vital services alive in parallel to the computerised one so that when it goes wrong, which it will, there is an alternative to fall back on and obviously keep landlines. Sorry? Phone landlines. I got rid of mine six months ago. Well, it probably doesn't matter in your case, but obviously mobiles with a signal in the air are a lot easier to hack. So long as you're happy to know that every mobile phone call you ever make can be listened to by the world, you'll be fine. The other important factor is cash. We must keep cash. Why? I mean, what's that got to do with anything? I, I hardly ever use it myself. Suppose a hostile power hacks into our banking system and freezes it. The entire economy collapses. Hard to do that with cash. Well, I haven't really thought of that before. Oh, I'm not surprised. The technology mindset has been pumped into you since school. So you are basically working on a system that abandons tech and goes back to the longbow? Not a bit of it. That's just one strategy. We are also very ahead of the game. DNA. DNA? What about it? Famously discovered by the British, discovery was trumpeted to the world. But it was not all trumpeted to the world. Some of it interested um, um, us. And we decided that it should not all be trumpeted to the world. Uh, are you familiar with the neutron bomb? A nuclear device that kills humans but doesn't destroy property. More or less right. So, one quality of DNA that has not been trumpeted to the world is that our chaps found, um, I suppose the right word would be a biological link. A link in a DNA strain, and we found that it could be connected via an extremely complicated cyber formulaic process to a miniature neutron bomb operated from any distance. Well, I, I don't get it, General. Let us suppose that you were head of uh, a hostile country and we managed to get a sample of your DNA or the DNA of someone closely related to you. With this system, we could literally fry your DNA with a miniature neutron attack from a great distance without harming anyone else or any property, apart from the members of your family who shared the DNA code, of course. 
maybe collateral damage. But, but that's incredible. I know. I mean, that, that would be a game changer. Yes. You could literally take out anyone you wanted to, whenever you wanted to. Absolutely. It would be a game changer, if it was true. I'm confused, General. Is it true? No. Pack of lies. All made up. Fantasy. Oh, right. Well, so why make it up? Because it could be true. You believe me, didn't you? If you were an enemy power, could you take that chance that it might perhaps be true? Well, how would they find out? Well, you can listen to this podcast where you ask us what we're doing. This is the only platform I've revealed it on. Well, they won't be listening to this. They listen to everything. And now they will spend a huge amount of money investigating a bogus weapon. But you just this second said it was bogus. I could be bluffing. The whole podcast could be an elaborate double bluff. Happened all the time in World War II. And what would happen if their superiors found out they had heard about this and did nothing? Up against the wall, my friend. Right, right. So, so this podcast is a double bluff. It might be a triple bluff. It's true, and we're saying it's true, but doing so through a comedy podcast, so it can't be true. But what if it is true, even if it sounds too good to be true? Right. Um, I think I understood that. Talking of quadruple bluffs, have you ever actually seen a nuclear bomb? No, I mean, why should I? Do you personally know anyone who has seen a nuclear bomb? No. Uh, why? OK, if you're in a submarine armed with nuclear missiles, how do you know they're nuclear? It has nuclear missile stamped on it? The missile may have nuclear missile stamped on it, but it could be empty or full of baked beans. You're not going to know it's a nuclear missile until it goes off, which it will very probably never do. So for all we know, this country has no nuclear missiles in those submarines. They could just be saying they have, which is a lot cheaper. Or they could say they are building a hundred more. Who's to know? Well, you could... radiation... Tiger counters, you could check. Oh, easily faked. I'm probably just stringing you a line, but you don't know I am. I might not be, and they don't know. And after they've listened to this, which they will, they will know even less. I thought this was classified. It is, but it's online so it can be hacked, which could, of course, be a bluff. Or there again, a double bluff. We have incoming. Oh, no. Incoming what? Excellent Bolty from Potter's Bar. Cheers! Oh, right. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> that was uh, confusing, to say the least, but I, I think it's a valuable insight into the complexities of modern warfare, online and offline, bluff and counterbluff. Thank you for listening, and please check out our other podcasts, none of which are classified. I think. Oh, oh, oh dear. Uh, what do I do now? Um, hello? Hello? Um, I... How do I get out of here? Hello?